What's going on, gym bros and gym girls? My name is James, and welcome to episode six of Gym Bro Talks, where we dive into the minds of bodybuilders, talk about the science behind fitness and nutrition, and we'll also talk about lifestyle. Today, we got a special guest. His name is David Zegler, aka Zegler Monster on TikTok and Instagram. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing good. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. How's your day going? Uh, I need to eat like 6,000 more calories. So I need to try to stay <laughs> awake and cook as much as I can. I'm trying right now to come back and get on stage next year. So I want to put on 20, 30 pounds and it's going to take a lot of food. Oh, yeah, definitely. So you woke up at what time do you wake up? Four o'clock, three thirty. So I don't have a schedule how I sleep. Mm -hmm. I just sleep whenever I'm tired. And when I wake up, I get up. And that's just how I'll rock and roll, especially when I'm in training. The only thing I try to focus on is the nutrition and the training. So I bring myself here, which is a little hole in the wall I have in Las Vegas, where there's nothing but a bed and a kitchen and world class mm -hmm. gyms. And all I do is go to the gym, work out, come back, eat, fall asleep, wake up and do it again and just keep that pattern going. So I train pretty much every 12 hours unless it's a right. big workout like legs or back or a particularly great session. Then I might skip a session or two. So instead of going like every 12 hours right. and doing 14 workouts a week, the way yeah. it works out, I might end up doing 10 workouts a week right. and that's the style i'm doing right now so also i'll do 10 workouts a week i might sleep two to four times a day sometimes i wake up and i feel good and i start eating and i put down three thousand calories and a few hours right. go by and i get sleepy and i go right back to bed and i might right. sleep for an hour like a nap or i might sleep for seven hours i don't know i had set no right. alarms i get up for nothing and uh when i do get up that's when i just start the day again and i start the nutrition and I start the training I and I start the cardio. Is it, does it feel like more of like an intuitive thing where like if you feel kind of tired, then you'll kind of get some sleep. And then if you don't feel tired, you'll kind of just go at it. Absolutely. Mm. The only thing that doesn't change is the nutrition. Whether I'm dieting or trying to get big, I have to get the nutrition in there. The meals have to get in there. I don't wake myself up to eat. I never wake myself up. If I'm tired, I sleep. If I'm awake, I work. And that might right. include clients, it might include going to the gym, whatever it might right. be. But the food can't ever really take a break. But the training, yeah. If I'm not feeling it, if I wake mm -hmm. up from that nap or from that sleep session, however long it might be, and I feel exhausted, especially if I'm going to train something like legs and my I feel heavy, my lower half feels heavy, I get up to brush my teeth or something, right. I'll put it off. 12 hours and I'll just go work on clients. I'll work on editing videos. I'll make TikToks. I'll do something else, answer emails, answer Instagram DMs. Yeah. And then I'll fall asleep. I'll sleep as long as I sleep. I'll wake up and say, how do I feel? And I normally always train when I wake up. Right, right. I see. Do you feel like you have to like eat a little bit? Like when you wake up, you have to eat a little bit first before you go to the gym? Or no, I don't feel like I have to. I can totally train mm -hmm. faster. I normally do have oh, a right. whole gym prep before I go. It takes me 45 minutes, an hour, and there's a shake in there. There's pre-workout in there. There's all types of little things in there. But no, I do train faster quite often, often enough. It doesn't bother me at all. And I think it's because the, the way I have my schedule set up or lack of schedule, my body's really never left wanting anything. 
I see. So if I woke up and I was hungry, I would I would just eat for yeah, sure. Yeah. But sometimes right. I wake up and I have no appetite and I just have all the energy in the world and I want to capture that lightning in a bottle. So I grab my pre-workout, I'm sipping on it as I'm running out the door, I'm at the gym real fast because my spot in Vegas has the best gyms in the country all within four miles of this place. So right. I can be at the gym within minutes. Normally that time is really weird. So it's three o'clock in the morning, there's no one on the road, there's no right. one at the gym. I get there immediately, I bust out a workout, it takes me 45 minutes, an hour and a half, I, who knows? Sometimes I get hungry and I call quits and go to a restaurant mm -hmm. and I'll just go eat. It just depends right. on exactly how I feel. 100%, 100%. Since we're on the topic of recovery, I think the general rule of thumb for a lot of people is let your muscles recover for 48 hours before you work the same muscle group again. What's kind of your view on that? Sure. I like that. It's a good rule of thumb. Mm. 48 hours is a good rule of thumb. I think it's even longer for most people. Right. I would give it almost a full week for most people. And when I'm not in this training zone, that's what I do for myself too. The way I set everything up when I do this is not year round. I can't sustain this year round. I can't live in the box. I mean, I did. I, I lived damn near like this for a decade in the beginning, but that was mm -hmm. different. I was building the foundation. Now it's kind of like I turn it on. I try to look as great as I can look. It takes so much food. It takes so much training. Uh, but when I turn it off, I, I have to give it a break for like a month, a two month, three month reset, let my receptors, let my organs, let everything just make sure it's healthy and good to do it again at this right. point in my career for the most part. But the way I have it set up is so beneficial for every single aspect of the sport mm -hmm. that if you had a nine to five or a child, or if you didn't have the finances to pay for the performance or the food or the supplementation or any of that stuff. And you had holes here and here and here you fill holes with recovery time. The best right. way to get over a, a nutrition lack is to not go and beat the crap out of your body in the gym. If you're eating 8,000 calories every day, like Michael Phelps, and you can train like Michael Phelps, but if you're not, you, you shouldn't. You might end up getting in more trouble than you than good. You know, you're trying to build a physique, and if you if yeah. you have no nails and no mortar and no wood, you're beat. Yeah, yeah, and and like, would you say it's okay to work out again when you're sore? Like, even after 48 hours, I still feel sore in this muscle. Should I still train it? So, no, for mm. me, and mm. yes to what I do is what I call like a flex check. So if I can flex, I can feel the muscles tight. I can feel it's a little sore, maybe a little worked. But if I can flex it, and grab it, and it kind of mm -hmm. hurts, right. I don't train it. Uh, but if I can just feel it, I'm like, yeah, she's a little tired, a little mm -hmm. beat up. I'll work through that. It might just be like tight, you know, something right. like that. A little, little achy from just being tight and tired, maybe, you know, because maybe it got hit. When I was doing shoulders a little bit, the top of the pec got hit some. So now it's just letting me know the next day, like, hey, your form was kind of sloppy yesterday doing shoulders. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, we'll work mm -hmm. through that today. But if I grab the muscle, like if I went to flex my bicep and I flexed it, and now I'm not talking about like you flex it so hard you make it hurt and you sit there and then you're <laughs> shaking and you're shaking. But if you grab it and it grabs and you feel that deep ache in there, that's why I mm -hmm. give it the 12 hours or I'll give it a day or change something else. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I want to talk a little bit about like uh, 
drop sets, I like different types of variations of sets because there's a, there's definitely a lot out there, including okay. drop sets, super sets, pyramid sets. Um, do you think that all of these different variations of sets are necessary to put into your workout program or is it kind of just like a little bonus or kind of switch it up and make it fun? What's your view on it? So his historically, I guess, we call those advanced techniques. You have right. straight sets, which is your 10 reps, your six reps, your 12 reps, whatever it is. And then you put the weight down and that's a straight set. Anything mm -hmm. past that, we call an advanced movement, an advanced set. And it doesn't mean advanced like, wow, you're Mr. Bodybuilder and you're really good at this. It just means you're going to take that set and advance it further than you could with a straight set. Mm -hmm. And these are techniques to do that. Advance the set further, advanced techniques. Um, I know that confuses a lot of people, and sometimes it makes them a little intimidated when they hear that, but it's not intimidating. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, the muscle is stimulated by creating work inside right. of it. The intensity, the work, your body. Now, there, of course, there is like damage that occurs and it heals and all that stuff, but it, it, that's not really what is translating to size and strength and such. It's not like it gets broken down and then the, the body comes and heals it and it just heals it a little extra. And then it's like, oops, look at us. We didn't mean what out of nowhere, all this extra muscle we fixed. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's not, it's on purpose. It's a signal. Your body compensates to deal with stress. So you're trying to create work inside the muscle and you create work by creating intensity and how we create intensity is external weight. We pick it up. Right. So depending on, how you did that, like how you went about your, what I call the working set that you think is going to be responsible for growth and size, strength, all that jazz. Depending on how well you, or not how well, but depending on how you personally execute that set would mm -hmm. then depend on potentially would you need an advanced technique to help make more intensity inside the muscle. So if you had a tendency to move rather quickly, through the mm -hmm. set. You used mm -hmm. somewhat momentum. You moved quickly through the set. Say you didn't really milk out negatives too much. You kind of just let it drop. And that's that's all fine. We're not nitpicking. We're just saying this is a tendency that you use to train. Because we see people from Branch Warren to Charles Glass and how they train. And it's very different. But let's right. say, however, you do that. Well, then you're going to run out of steam at like whatever it is, seven reps or eight reps, because that style is the way it is. So let's say a drop set then would be a good way for you to continue to use technique that you're somewhat comfortable with that you're good at, but to push that set further. So you do your strong positives. You don't really squeeze. You have kind of fast negatives and you do seven reps like that. And it's super heavy. You, mm -hmm. you put it down, you rest four seconds, seven seconds, you pick it up, you do three more reps, you put it down, you rest like two seconds, you pick it up, you do one or two more you do one more, you put it down, and just total failure. You brought your muscle, you brought that set really far past the the normal set, the normal range, using an advanced technique that really complemented your working style. Right. So it was not something that on paper I could say is for everybody, but they certainly have their place. And some people, the way they train, they have a, a smooth tempo. They gently pause at the top. They gently pause at the bottom, but they don't waste a lot of energy with static, but they totally appreciate the form and everything. They can bring sets really, really, really far, really far. So that one set, that 10 reps is not the same as somebody else's 10 reps. Now the overall work, the overall intensity created 
might be equal and they will mm -hmm. have equal results because intensity was matched, but they use different techniques and different styles because of the different ways they like to train. And if, and if you don't like the way you're doing stuff, it's kind of hard to push to that intensity level 100%. as it is. So training is very fluid. It's a very fluid thing. Mm, mm. But yeah, but yeah, it, they have they certainly have their place and they're great. But it just depends on which one and but I do say that advanced techniques do not have a place in every exercise. And I wouldn't do them the same week to week if you're with me on that. So if we came in to do chest and we were gonna do four exercises, each set, I mean each exercise had two to four working sets. Who counts how many warm-ups? We're not gonna count warm-ups, activations, adjustments to the shoulders, you know, you're putting the weight down, put a little more. The sets that we think are going to be responsible for growth and we're going to give it our all and push to failure or push past failure, we do two, three, four of them per exercise. We have four exercise. Maybe we throw in one or two advanced techniques, maybe. And if we did it the next week, which I probably wouldn't, I'd probably just have a straight workout the next week. But when I did do an advanced technique again, chances are, unless I was working on a weak area, I wouldn't do the same advanced technique on the same exercise. If I did I something see. crazy like a rest pause or a stripping method on an incline, well, incline hammer, uh, incline Smith machine, something I can strip quickly off. The mm -hmm. next week where I came in, I probably wouldn't do that. I'd probably just do a straight set with a barbell incline, not even do the Smith incline and strip the weights, just do a straight set, incline bench, and then I might do something fancy on a pec deck. You know, I might go over to the pec deck and do full stack, half stack, a third of the stack back to half stack, something crazy like that, you know? Right, right, hundred percent. Being fluid, being fluid. And and I, I want to ask you a little bit uh, on the you know the negative portion of a movement because I see you know so many different types of people training different types of ways, and it could just be the way that works best for them. But would you say like negatives are very important in a way because there's some people that don't really focus on the negatives, but still make incredible progress. So you're, you're 60% stronger on a negative than you are on a positive. I see. So there's a lot of things you can do to express that in the gym. Mm. I can push down on the negative, make it heavier while you, okay. That's all great. But a negative and a static when you just hold it still. Mm -hmm. Okay, when you pause. Both of those, while they do hold a candle to the positive, nothing compares to the amount of work that you can not create, but the amount of work that you are asking from the muscle when you're pushing forward. So if you can imagine spaghetti, right? And these are our muscle fibers. Imagine a bunch of spaghetti, okay? Yeah. Now we have the spaghetti. You picture in it? Yeah. All the little strands. Turn it sideways, chop it up so much, but keep it in strands, right? Okay, that's your muscle, essentially. And only the little tiny pieces pull on each other. Okay. And it's like a zillion inchworms. And together, those zillion inchworms pull and make a full contraction of the spaghetti, right? Mm. So when we're creating work and we're trying to ask work out of the muscle when it's staying still or when it's releasing itself, it's not the same as when you're asking the inchworms to pull together when you're through a positive motion. So even when you're 
stuck and you're you but you're trying to push forward and it's only moving this much and people are like oh the range of motion isn't there anymore you're still asking so many individual inchworms because you have zillions you're still asking millions of them to do work and they're still doing it let them do it because the mm -hmm. whole point is to create intensity inside the muscle which we do by work and if they're doing work let them do more work because that creates more intensity and it's going to send the signal your body's right. going to compensate so while there is light in a negative in a static there totally is if you bring and this is that fluid part again being fluid with your training if you're bringing those positives to failure and you're making all of the inchworms, all of the fibers, cells work to their full capacity, maybe it took you 20 reps because you did no negatives and it took me 10. But at the right. end of at the end of the working set was the same intensity reached on both sides. And if it was, and it wasn't because of other forces making the set stop. If you hit exhaustion because you run out of energies or like, like you run out of like, now it's, it's more complicated than this, but like blood sugar and creatine, right? Oxygen, all of these different things, lactic acid buildup, they will stop your set before maximum work is achieved. And right. if they stop your set before maximum work is achieved because you're sloppy, so you need to do 30 reps or whatever, um, you, you will not be able to create the amount of work inside the muscle as somebody who did it more properly. Right. Because mm -hmm. it's a gray area. It's fluid. There's the most proper way to do it. This is the most textbook way to do it. Great. But if you create a lot of intensity and a lot of work, you, you can, this will build and make Olympias also. But this will not. Mm -hmm. This will not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I. Because I, I've, I've always been a little bit confused with stuff like rep ranges, right? Because sure. the stuff I've learned... And the stuff you see on TikTok, you know, at the internet in general is that eight to 12 rep is the quote unquote hypertrophy range for training. And then I was thinking, you know, how you were saying that if someone doing 10 reps without focusing on the eccentrics and only the concentrics, they might be able to do 20 reps and have the same intensity as someone who were to focus on the eccentrics. And so 10 reps for, for, everyone might be a different speed and different tempo and different intensity. So then does that mean eight to 12 rep really is the hypertrophy rep range? Or should you look at it at a different point of view where you're, you're, you're trying to think about the intensity of that set more? Correct the most on the latter and yes on all of it. So you should be looking at work overload. How much work can you create? How much overload can you handle? Your muscles work off of very basic principles. You have different types of muscle fibers and you have a lot and people can get crazy with naming them and all types of jazz and that's great. But you pretty much have slow and fast is the, fast, the easiest way, the old school way to break it down, right? right? So they are stimulated to have work improved by the body compensating through stress forms and stuff at different levels of workload. Some can take low intense workload for a very long time. So if you practice cardio, your lungs, your leg, mm. different muscles in your legs, you can do cardio for 30 miles now. Amazing, right? Before you could only do it for one mile. Same with training weight. When you are doing 
what appears to be lower rep range, higher intensity, you have a huge stimulation from what appears to be like the faster twitch muscles and such, just to make this very simple. But the point is the workload on the muscles. So if the muscles have pretty much two responses to stress, then you kind of want to hit both of those from a I very see. broad rudimentary attack form. And that's when it kind of circles back to how much work can you create before other incoming forces take away from the set other than muscular failures oxygen did you run out of oxygen are you super winded you know mm -hmm. that's going to stop your set and that's going to be a reason that the set stops other than muscular failure and if you're an endurance guy mm -hmm. well now your leg muscles need to also be in tune with your lungs because you need to keep bringing oxygen to those legs muscles to keep pushing those legs so Rewind. It seems to be that the faster twitch muscles have the greater response to growth and strength, and we seem to stimulate them the most with the lower rep ranges, mm. which would be anywhere from 6 to 12. And that's why mm. I say range, because you're never really going to know right. how you feel that day could be different, how you slept, how well you ate, what drugs you might be on, what, what bad drugs you did the night before with your buddies. All of these mm -hmm. things can affect your workout that day. They can't really come into your mind so much as a negative, like I can't progressive overload today. You can create as much work as possible. And if enough work is created, if enough intensity is created, it won't matter how much weight you were using. As long as external forces didn't stop the set, if muscular failure took place and you were in a rep range in a zone that stimulated the muscle fibers, because if you don't stimulate the muscle fibers for growth, you're just, you're exercising, which mm -hmm. is great. You can have entire workouts for hours and hours, for years and years and years, and just be the world's greatest exerciser. You didn't give your body the stimulus it needed to grow bigger or stronger, but you used what you got so mm -hmm. often and so well that you totally never got rid of it, and you became an exercising fitness machine. So there's a distinctive difference between training and exercising. You should exercise mm -hmm. for life. Everyone should exercise. You should train for specific goals at specific times. Do you want to be stronger? Do you want to be faster? Do you jump higher? Do you want to be bigger? What are you training for? Because they all have certain techniques and they all have different ways to go about them. General exercise is great. Most people trip and fall through the gym. They have a goal they want, but they trip and fall through the gym. They get random stimuli. They're not sure where yeah. or why or whatever. Right. They get what they get. And that's them. They are fantastic exercisers, which is great. But it's not localized and focused enough for the specific goal at hand. If you want to be a power lifter, you, you got to do certain things. If you want to be a bodybuilder, you have to do certain things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the reps, we're working in a rep range that we think is going to make the muscle fail. And we think that it's going to stimuli either the slow or the fast for a broad speaking of the sense. And we do that by either four to eight, really, in there. I have one working set like that, total till failure, maybe pass, maybe two working sets like that. If I feel the one, I didn't do a good enough job, or I was particularly right. feeling good that day, that exercise felt great, milk it out, do it again. And then I have another working set that is more like 12 to 15. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it ends up being 20. Uh, right. Sometimes it ends up being 11 on accident. And then I have to do, I do it again, maybe. Yeah, but yes. that way, you're staying in a fluid enough range where you can give full intensity. You can try to create as much work as possible by just turning your brain off and pushing to the wall, giving everything you got. 
and you stay in these two ranges that for what we understand up till now is going to give you the most potential to not only give the mo give each one its own personal time, but it will have an overlapping effect too. So hopefully we'll just have the best of both worlds. Right. And we'll get stimuli on all accounts and we'll cut down on overtraining and annihilation for lack of a better word and get out of the gym. Just kind of cover everything all at once. That was awesome. No, that was really, really mm -hmm. insightful. I answered my question for sure. Uh, would you say like um, in terms of range of motion, would you say is uh, a, a less important aspect to focus on when you're trying to work for muscle growth? So when you come into the workout, you should always be warming up thoroughly. And when you do that, maybe not even have weights in your hands yet, right? You're doing like all the little circles, all the butterfly stuff, yeah. touch your toes, your knees, all that jazz. If you don't do that stuff, then you have no plans of being a professional in anything physical. Okay. Anyone who is really good and professional Olympics, all of that jazz, they all warm up and they all stretch and they all do a good job. So if you, if you skip right to your working sets, you are just playing in the sand in the gym and that's fine. That's tons of fun. So, but if we come into the gym with a professional mind, with a plan to train the muscle for growth, like we were just mm. talking about, mm. we're going to go through a warm up, little circles, big circles, overhead, jam, 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 jam. We're going to come into the first exercise. We're going to do two, three, four sets, baby weights, 10 reps. All right, you could do a thousand reps with that weight. I'm only doing 10. You know, and yeah, yeah, I'm stopping here, I'm stopping here, and I'm squeezing here, and mm -hmm. I'm just feeling, I'm talking to myself. It's like a sense, it's it, like yoga, okay? You're talking to your right. body, you're having a relationship with yourself, you're going in there and you're saying, how are you today? Yeah, I know, it's a new day, Mr. Muscle, Mrs. Muscle, mm -hmm. how you feeling? Oh, you're a little tight? Well, let's do this. What if I mm -hmm. drop my pinky? What if I took my elbow here? What if I widen my stance? What if I tuck my pelvis? Oh, that's better? We'll, we'll do that then. We'll stay with that. <laughs> then when it comes, comes time to the working set, if you did all of that already, remember the exercise category? You certainly should have been using a full range of motion when you had 13 pounds on there. You should have been squeezing and, just, and pausing. You're not doing work, but you're using your muscles. You're giving them a purpose for existence. You are doing 30 times more with your body than is going to be possible when you're 90. And when you're 90, you're going to be doing that stuff as your workout, maybe, because it's going to be really challenging. But you're doing it now. So you're exercising, you're using a full range of motion, you're doing all of that jazz. Mm. When, it when it comes time to turn the key, the working set, mm -hmm. one or two sets per exercise, mm. that's what we think is responsible for the muscle growth, for the strength. That is when you're gonna go balls to the wall. That is the only reason you're gonna do that particular set. Your entire workout would be the granddaddy stuff. Why would you ever risk a rotator cuff tear? Mm. Why would you ever risk a knee being blown out if you were just gonna be the best at exercising? That's CrossFit stuff, it exists. Mm. You can go do that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, there's something, There's it's people tease it, but there's something very like Roman gladiator who can do the most push-ups, who can do the most pull-ups. Like that, that, that's its own category, I let them have that. When it comes to you and you want to be a bodybuilder, the only reason you're squatting 500 pounds is to have a 30-inch quad. The only reason you're, you're squatting 500 pounds is so that maybe next time you can squat 520. That's the only reason you're doing it. So when it turn, comes time to turn the switch from fitness guy 
exercise guy, life guy, range of motion, all that jazz, and it comes time for that one working set, there are certain exercises that I only feel the positive on the latter half of the movement. One of them in particular is the seated hamstring curl. Mm -hmm. When you're sitting and you do this with your legs, right? Mm -hmm. All of this feels like junk to me. I can't, I, it, it hurts my knees. It feels awful. But when I get my legs here, and I lean forward with my upper body, right? So I have mm -hmm. this shape here. Yep. I go, squeeze, 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 <gasps> squeeze. Oh, that positive contraction is dynamite. The pump I get, the grab I get, the work I'm able to create and the weight I'm able to use would be cut in half if I went like this. And it wouldn't be because I can't do that. I can force the movement. I can force the full range of motion with the full freaking stack. It's no big deal for just going through the movement. But when it comes back down to those last five reps, to using an advanced technique, to going into that red RPM zone where my body might explode, mm. there's nothing there for me. It's clunky. It's awkward. I don't like it. So all I do is the positive on the second part of that motion. And I pair that, maybe not with a superset, it might be its own end, but I pair that with a lying leg curl, with a kneeling leg curl, with a stiff mm. leg deadlift. And when I throw that into the rotation, my hamstrings are nuts <laughs> at the end of the workout. They're on fire, they are pumped, they look yeah. insane. And if you want to argue, you could probably pull out the seated leg curl because you're i don't i don't think so the amount of work i feel sitting there the amount of squeeze and pump and grab i get is outrageous and i warm up with a full range of motion like we were talking right. about i do two or three sets right. and i use half the stack i get up there i'm going through it i'm squeezing, squeezing but when it comes time for me to say body sometimes you might be up against stuff like this not all the time not all the time not all the time sometimes what are you gonna do about it and they're like, well, we're going to make bigger hamstrings, bro. We got you back. Because that was nuts. We, we were doing our normal hamstring exercises. Easy. But then out of nowhere, the bushes popped this seated thing and fucked us up. <laughs> we got we to fix that. And then you get bigger and you get stronger. So there's definitely a place. Now, remember fluid. You know, Bruce Lee uh, used to say, be like water. Right. Yeah. What does water do? It doesn't complain. You put it in any container. It just fits into the shape. It adapts. It's this is me now. And if you get in too deep, you'll drown. So it's very powerful no matter what its surroundings, you know, be like water, be fluid. So if you come into the workout and, and you're not experienced or you're not dedicated or you don't know, you could have a hodgepodge, really ugly looking workout. You could also have a visually almost equally confusing look looking workout from somebody depending on when they peered into the workout and what set they caught you on they might catch you on a set and be like that was really ugly you were swinging heaving hoeing everything looked awful well yeah i mean it was one out of 30 and it was it was because it was 400 pounds and i was trying to go it's it's not about how textbook you can do it each time it's about how you can bring all of that information that you learn and see the anatomy book the doctor studies all of the things how can you bring that all together into your body and make those inchworms contract until they can't under what we think is the best circumstances for it to send a signal that it was really hard
Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do that because let's say here's one and I don't condone this stuff because it takes such an experienced person, trainer, man, woman to be able to execute some of the most extreme advanced techniques properly and at the right times. Mm-hmm. People try to copy it because they see somebody they don't understand that that is one set dropped in years of sets people say confuse the muscle you haven't been working out long enough to try to confuse shit (laughs) your your muscle is very up with what you up to should you always train to failure because there's some studies apparently suggesting that you should always sometimes leave one to two reps in reserve that way you can complete this next set with maximum effort what's your point of view on training to failure if you send in my opinion and maybe i'm wrong So what I do is I build off of Mike Metzer, Dorian Yates, Arthur Jones, what they kind of pioneered and brought in. And that is that intensity factors into strength and growth. So if you had a set that good, the workout would be over. Mm. So, yeah, I train till failure. I have my Mm. warm up sets, my activation sets. But then when it comes time for my working set, if I hit it that hard and I do such a good job, I'm done. Mm. So, so next exercise and, and then do you do you rest in between sets do you rest for two minutes three minutes or just until you feel like yeah I, I'm fully recovered let me hit the set again and, and just until I can get full effort if when I'm warming yes. up sometimes that's 30 seconds it's really fast sometimes when I'm warming up depends on how I feel sometimes after a, a crazy working set it might take me five minutes I might be mm-hmm. laying on my back sucking wind throwing up maybe mm-hmm. yeah passing mm-hmm. out a little bit So we've talked a lot about, you know, the training aspect. Uh, I want to dive now into a little bit more of the diet and the nutrition aspect. I want to ask how important is it to time your meals? So should you, uh, you know, in in my mind, when I train, I'd always like to time my carbohydrates before my workout or after my workout, just so in case, you know, I need this carbohydrate for recovery or for performance or whatever but what what would be your point of view on it i think that your body uses food and burns it up it uses it Mm. in different places sends it different places it has purposes some of it is literally burned up and and breathed out so Mm. depending on what your goal is and what you're trying to do the nutrition is going to play a huge part of that And, and we normally understand that but when it comes to fasting and how important the timing is i think in bodybuilding it's very important because Mm -hmm. everything's signaling the protein is signaling the train is training is signaling everything you're doing is turning on receptors are being turned on they're soaking up they're sending out signals that there's having jobs to do those jobs results of those jobs are what we want muscle strength muscle gain and all that so when we have an abscess of or a lack rather, let me say a lack. When we have a lack of different nutrients in the body, the body has responses, has signals that happen to fill those gaps and to be able to have what it needs when those are missing, essentially is what I'm trying to say. So Mm -hmm. the way it does that can be very negative for your goals. Mm -hmm. Let's say you don't have enough protein in your system. So protein, a full protein, chain of protein is made of 20 amino acids you have 11 non-essentials and you have nine essentials when you eat that protein your body 
takes the 20 amino acids and breaks it down, <clears throat> digests it, metabolizes it, whatever you want to say, has the 20 amino acids, 11 of them your body can make. can make it like in your liver and all types of other fun jams that happens, systems. <clears throat> Tons of fun. Throws those 11 away. Now it has these nine. They're called the essential amino acids. And they're called essential because your body can't make them at all. The only way to get them into your system is through a dietary form. you got to put them in your face. This is why vegans and vegetarians have such a hard time because a lot of their protein sources are missing one or two amino acids from the essentials and you can't make them. So if you don't eat them, you're beat. And those are the most important building blocks of what makes you human. All your muscle, your skin, your hair, your nails, all are made up of that nine. So when it comes to being vegan, being vegetarian or not, it doesn't matter. If you want to be a bodybuilder, you can do it any way you want as long as everything boils down to your protein. If we're in the protein category, at the end of the day, it has to boil down where you're going to need so much of leucine, isoleucine, valine. You're going to need these nine amino acids. There's little columns. You got to put blocks in them until that column is at what it needs for you to be at mm -hmm. your goal. And then it has mm -hmm. to be sustained for however long it might be, six months, a year, six years, 100 years, who knows? So when it comes to training and building muscle, those amino acids can't be stored in the muscle in a way that they're ready, voluntary for a lapse. Right. Like you have fat, that fat is stored energy. If something bad happens to you and you can't eat, you miss meals, your body will metabolize the fat as energy yeah. and you won't skip a beat. If your muscles are demanding amino acids because they're trying to recover, because you just mm -hmm. had a workout or you've been having workouts, so is your hair, so is your skin, so is your nails. So your chest will break down your legs to repair your chest and also to make your hair, to make your skin, to make your nails, to make amino acids in your blood for things that are demanding them. And there's a priority and people can get into this really deep when they get into personal nutrition and stuff like that. But right. it's not as important as the overall, if it's not there, it goes in the opposite direction. So make sure it's there. And your body metabolizes proteins rather quickly. It's why we say eat every two hours. That's just a rule of thumb. And that's because protein powders, eggs, chicken, fish, most of that stuff by the time you eat it, is cleared out of your blood within two hours or so. It might take 30 minutes, 45 minutes, some faster than others to get into your system, to metabolize it. It's released into your bloodstream over the course of 45 minutes, an hour and a half, four hours. Beef takes hours, great, but then it's out. So depending yeah. on your timing, depending on how frequent your protein dosing is, you might not have an abundance of those nine rare amino acids floating around yeah. in your blood. And if they're not right. there, and somebody needs them, like your hair, your skin, your nails, or something like that, your body will get them there. Yeah, yeah. But you want and, to put them there. And since we're on the topic on amino acids, I think I want to talk a little bit about supplements because I think a lot of people, um, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about, you know, branch chain amino acids because you, you, you can get, you know, the nine essential amino acids from your regular protein powder, right? Absolutely. And this might be actually where we stop after this one, depending on how long I talk for. So okay. when you have protein, a complete protein, right, it's 20 amino acids. That can be protein powder because protein powder is made of milk. They make mm. protein powder by they take raw milk. 
this milk and they call it milk slurry and they yeah. start pushing it through these screens and the screens will collect lactose which is milk sugar they'll collect fat and they'll and they'll just screen it out and leave behind the protein and jazz and when right. it becomes 80% protein or less by weight so it can be 50% or more 80% or less that's whey protein concentrate and then they spray it on these films and they scrape it up and that's your protein powder. You put it in your glass and you, you add liquid yeah. back to it, but it's the concentrate. If it's over 90%, it's protein isolate. So they're both exactly the same. Protein isolate and protein concentrate are the exact same thing. Just one is filtered more than the other one. So by weight, one has more. But the amino acids are the same. The delivery is the same. One doesn't get into your body faster than the other. They are exactly the same protein chains. Yeah. Just some has more lactose and more fat next to it than the other one and one makes concentrate one makes protein and then one makes just raw protein powder or whatever which is a baking mm -hmm. protein i think it's called and that's like under 20 percent or something like right. that so when you have either the protein powder which is milk right dehydrated milk essentially is what we can call it um that's milk it's a dairy product that comes from an animal it's a full amino acid profile that's milk we have chicken we have beef we have pork we have bison we have mm -hmm. eggs. You can name them. You can name them. You can name them. Okay. All right. Your body's mm -hmm. real good at all of those, right? When you eat them, your body knows really good to take the 20 and ba -ba 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 -bam, bam, you get these, you get these, these, get, you, you got them. Go, 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 go. When you isolate them yourself down to like L-leucine, isoleucine, valine, glycine, right? Uh, methanine. When you do mm -hmm. that yourself, in a lab or wherever you might do it, or culturing it. You know, there's different ways to do different things. Hair is maybe actually one of the better ways to do it because it's actually like a whole source, but it doesn't matter. When they are by themselves and isolated, your body doesn't seem to dig it as much as when it's together. So there seems to be, and I'm not perfect at this, okay? I'm just giving like the broad strokes here. What 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 is What's important to us as trainers in the gym? So what's important to us in the gym at the end of the day is it seems that when they're isolated and in high amounts like that, there becomes some competing issues where the body isn't quite tr it's trying to match them up. Um, so it ends up just pissing most of it out or getting rid of it, or it can make some weird imbalances, or it just, for, for the sense of the conversation, it, it doesn't like dealing with the isolations of the amino acids as much as it does a whole. So at the end of the day, if you're going to the gym and you're trying to get all the jazz that you want out of this program, having the full profile is best. Mm -hmm. And we can argue why, and we can argue how it works and how it makes everything unhappy or happy or whatever, whatever, whatever. But it just seems that having the full profile is best. So if you were gonna take amino acids into your system for the hope of having something like recovery or energy because you don't want to have amino acids from your muscles go to your hair, et cetera, like we spoke about earlier, have the whole protein, like you just said, whole protein supplement, choose the whole protein supplement. BCAAs are three amino acids because out of the nine essentials, and you can get an EAA supplement, an essential amino acid supplement that has all nine. Out of those nine, three of them are the BCAAs. Right. You can't have the nine without the three. So you can just get the three, which is leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And studies, early studies in the 90s or whatever it was, 
We're showing that when you were having those in the system through supplemental form, it was helping burn victims grow back like their skin faster and the muscles liked it and stuff. But it, it wasn't great, right? It, it wasn't great. It wasn't substantial enough that like hospitals were giving people BCA supplements when they got burned and stuff. Right. It just wasn't a thing. They were just giving them protein. Um, so then they came out with the EAA products and they're like, well, this is all nine. This is all, they were, this is just cutting the middleman out. We're just getting right to the point. And that did seem to be better. And if I was going to spend money on one or the other, or when a sponsor wants me to try yeah. something, I don't even really want to deal with the BCAs because I know right. they have EAAs too. I'll just, I'll just go right for the EAAs. I'll say, let me use that. And I use them, especially when I'm dieting. I use them in the, in the workout, intra workout. Totally. I think they taste great. They help me get over hunger curves, if anything. And if it helps 1%, I'm down. But even that, it seems like you might be better off, in my opinion, and what it seems the researchers, to just get a full protein amino acid. And you could do that with um, the clear stuff now that tastes so good in water. You can drink that into your workout, mm -hmm. you know. So that's how BCAAs, EAAs, and the full amino acid profile, that's how that all boils down. Right. They kept yeah. trying to make it easier for your body to make it go from 20 down. But your body just digs doing it by itself. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, I'm, so I'm, I'm, okay. yeah that's yeah, awesome. That was awesome. Um, I, I just I have one last question because um, sure. yeah, it doesn't have to be like a super long answer, but I do want to ask because I think this is a, a, a very in, uh, important topic to cover as well, because I think a lot of young guys out there looking at TikTok and stuff and they're looking at SARMs or looking at ectosteroids, you know, testosterone, stuff like that. Those supplemental things that they think can really help them enhance their training. What would be your view on stuff like SARMs and, and testosterone? The tergesterone and the eddysterone, ectectorysterone. Yeah, something those like that. Those yeah. two, they're plant or animal based steroids or whatever it is. You're right. They have a lot of mixed reviews, and I, I'm kind of on the fence about if they work at all or not. I'm still yeah. trying to figure that out. If I was going to do anything as a young man, it, it would be in that direction because they're supplemental, they come from plants and stuff. Right mm -hmm. now, I know the worst stuff does come from plants like like heroin and cocaine and, and marijuana are all plants and then they will kill you. Um, well, you know, some of them, mm -hmm. but they don't change your hormones. They just kind of. Hopefully is what they're promoting and saying. Right. Promote your body to make more hormones and stuff like that. So if you're a young dude. And, and there's no hold in your back, right? Because you really want to try stuff. That would be the route I would go. Even the um, testosterone boosters, over-the-counter ones, those are mostly like deaspartic acid, vitamin D, zinc, Bulgarian tribulus. Those are all those things together in a pill. It's, so it's, a, it's like a multivitamin geared towards hopefully boosting your testosterone levels yeah. naturally and stuff. Right. And that's what we were doing 10, 20 years ago was like Bulgarian tribulus, the aspartic acid. That's what, that was our, um, Eddie ectosterone mm, and turgesterone. That was what we were doing back then as kids and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, and that stuff even existed 10, 15 years ago, but I don't know if it was hard to source or what, the, what it was, if it just didn't work. And that's why it fizzled out. Now it's coming back around and people are not going to like it again. Perhaps. I don't know. I'm going to do more on that. And try right. to figure out more. Because when I read reviews and I hear guys, they seem to dig it. But then yeah. when I look at science stuff, it doesn't seem the greatest. Which yeah. doesn't mean there's lots of stuff, you know, that has like synergetic effects that, that helps, that works. That, and, and then 
placebo is a strong thing too. So it's it's hard yeah. to say that something doesn't definitively work. It, it, you know what I mean? But when it comes to the natural stuff, like the the tergesterone, which is a plant, they get it from a plant source or whatever the heck it is. Um, the deaspartic acid, zinc. Yeah, that stuff's fine. You want to try that stuff? Fine. And it might. Maybe it does. Maybe it helps a lot. Maybe it helps even out your levels, makes them more consistent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because you have your your body's not looking for anything. Kind of like when it's looking for amino acids, deficiencies happen, atrophy happens, things start going backwards. Same yeah. thing. If you don't have enough vitamin D, you don't have to, things. Things won't work as well as they potentially could. So if you're a teenager and you're you're low on zinc, I'll probably fuck your balls up and stuff like that, and make you not have as much. As you as maybe you could, but yeah. now that doesn't mean you should have so much zinc that you have too much. Um, but you know, if it helps to have enough, well, I guess make sure you have enough. But when it comes to steroids and um, I'm I'm losing the word that Sorms. they use yeah. arms. Yeah. Right. When it comes to those, those do literally blood work impact yeah. your hormone levels. Yeah. So you're you're talking about a much bigger side effect that will potentially stick with you forever mm-hmm. so if you're curious and you're trying to do stuff and you're a young dude naturally your testosterone levels are already through the roof yeah when you start reaching your mid-20s or early 30s or late 30s they will decline naturally and you can take steroids legally and, and no one will even give you a hard time <clears throat> it's totally cool but in the beginning your natural levels are so high because of going through puberty and just because of, a lot of it is because of your um atmosphere you know you're in schools you're around women all the time you're around sports all the time there's a lot of competitiveness just going on on a sub level you know when you become a man and you're in your house all the time and it's just you and your shoes it's not as exciting and yeah and the body starts to slow down and things don't get as sharp and and then right. it's true but anyway so in the beginning you're a hormone machine all that stuff is through the roof to take something then at that time too to try to have an advantage hormonally you would have to take probably a lot too and the and the and the the reason to do that like you're just going to be in hot water with side effects the negative what's going to happen when you come off is it's going to be awful for you you're going to go from being on this natural high of being like this natural athlete having natural good testosterone good sex drive like almost where it's annoying you're like oh, i get boners mm-hmm. all the time this is awful mm-hmm. i'm addicted to, to porn whatever 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 yeah, yeah. You, you wait till it's gone all the way yeah, you will. It will be a curse. So, I think a lot of guys they just they deal with that in the beginning. They really, really, again, like we we see the dude doing the sloppy set. It's one out of a hundred. You know, you hear somebody might be on testosterone or whatever. Who is it? Is he a dude in his thirties or his forties? Is he who? You know, it's tough. That's a tough one because you shouldn't. I'm not against anything. But I'm against making it harder on yourself. Mm. And if your goals are to be a big, competitive, strong, bodybuilding athlete, it literally is kind of like trust the process. You're putting bricks down. And if there's already a couple bricks in place, they're not going to be there. Like those bricks, those testosterone, those hormonal bricks, that edge that you have, they will not be there. We will put bricks there to supplement that stuff. But when you're 14, 15, 16, even 20 years old, they're already there. And they're pretty strong. So walk on them to put down different bricks on your path. 
Because after five years, after 10 years, we're going to have to go back because they're going to be worn out. And we're going to have to replace those bricks. We're going to have to, or you're going to have to retire because mm. they're going to decline anyway. You're not going to be able to keep up with the demand that your, your body's going to have, the hormonal demand that your body has of trying to be a competitive bodybuilder when you're, you know, in those, it just, even if you don't have an enhanced level, the decline alone, it becomes a supplementation thing. You have to have the amino acids. You have to have the hormones. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. It just is. It's an unfortunate yeah. fact of life, but it is part of it. So we're not saying you have to juice your gills or, or go crazy or, or, or cheat or get it off the internet, but the doctor will probably just give it to you if you still have an interest in lifting weights at that time. If you're still with it, that's what you do. You just go to your doctor and you're like, I've been lifting weights since I'm 14 and now it's starting to suck. Why? Mm -hmm. You know, and it'll test your levels and stuff. And I'll be like, oh, now it's time for you to get on juice. Here comes the fun. And then you have another 15 years of having a great time in there and stuff like that. So that's pretty much it. They just jump the gun. They just, you don't have to. You shouldn't. I know it's really tempting. I mean, we all do it a little bit. Yeah. You know, like I remember we used to get pro hormones. Now they're illegal because they're like as strong as Anavar practically and stuff oh, wow. like that. But we were like 19, getting yeah. them at GNC. And we're like, these are, what, these are <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Obama came and made them all legal. He was like, do you guys realize this is bad for you? And we are like, yeah, <laughs> we knew they're bad for you. I do think oral is bad for you in general, for the most mm -hmm. part. Hey, anyway, thank you. Thank you so much for, for the talk today. That was really insane. I've, I've learned a lot. I've definitely learned a lot. And I think this is going to be able to help a lot of people as well. Do you have you know any last words you kind of want to tell the audience? Well... If you follow my stuff at Ziggler Monster, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. All of that jazz helps me tremendously. Even if you never go and like anything, it all becomes like portfolio material for me to then use on my own to go do my own things with fitness. So any help thrown my way like that, I totally appreciate it. And then you get content, you get to watch me. I hope you enjoy that too. But that's my shameless plug. Ziggler Monster is all my jazz. <laughs> awesome. Go follow Ziggler Monsters, guy. Um, so... Uh, what I'll do then is we'll wrap up the podcast here. I will edit the video. I'll send it to you. I get the green light and then I will post it. Uh, but uh, any questions for me before we end? No, no. Yeah, you're solid. I don't. I didn't say anything I, I'm afraid of either. So go ahead. Yeah, you're solid, brother. I got you. So that wraps up episode six of Jim Bro Talks. Thank you for listening and watching again. Now that episode was packed with information. So I hope you guys are able to take some of that information and put it into your own programming and your own life. Again, I want to hear from you guys. Who do you want on the podcast next? And what questions do you want me to ask them? This is James from Jim Bro Talks. See you in the next episode.